Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Deacon Brother Paul Marich. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about a very important subject for all Catholics, Lent, and our Lenten pilgrimage. Brother Paul, I think you have a special prayer you're going to open yes. us up with, right? Yes. So if you go to Mass on Ash Wednesday, at the beginning of Mass, we have that opening prayer, the Collect. And I want to read for you the Collect for Ash Wednesday. Grant, O Lord, that we may begin with holy fasting this campaign of Christian service so that, it, so that as we take up battle against spiritual evils, we may be armed with weapons of self-restraint through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we hear in this prayer, holy fasting, we think Lent, fasting, no meat on Fridays, giving something up. Mm-hmm. And of course, that is part of our Lenten practices that we're, we've become so used to. But if we, if we hear this prayer, if we listen and the details of it, a campaign of Christian service, mm-hmm. you know, or, or take up battle against spiritual evils, armed with weapons of self-restraint, you know, this is... Uh, you basically see in Lent in this opening prayer, you know, which this is what you're hearing on day one. With Lent, you're going into battle. You're going, you're going on, really a spiritual pilgrimage, and mm-hmm. the, and that especially that word campaign, because we think of campaign as like a political campaign, right? You know, that's that's how our context is with campaign. But you could think of uh, let's put ourselves maybe in a more ancient or med- medieval uh, mindset for a minute, a little bit. What's a campaign? Well. You know, maybe we're going on, you know, we're we're going someplace or we're going to some battle. You know, we're getting ourselves ready. We're, uh, you know, we may have our banners ready that we're going out onto the field, you know, mm-hmm. to show who we are. Uh, so this is kind of something what, you know, this imagery in this prayer uh, really is meant to highlight what we do in all of Lent. Because a lot of times, you know, we get into Lent and it feels like, oh, this dreary time, you know, it's mm-hmm. purple and no hallelujahs and no meat on Fridays. <laughs> and, and we always get, you know, it, it's it's sad that a lot of times Lent gets uh, focused for the the suffering <laughs> aspect mm-hmm. right. you know, of, of, of Lent. But um, I think what it has a lot of times been maybe neglected and that some, like now this, what I read from our prayer this is from the you know, fairly new translations of the Roman Missal, which is only mm-hmm. from about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we may have missed that in, in earlier decades. You know, We didn't mm-hmm. get the whole language of like a campaign and taking a battle and going out to, you know, this, in this uh, you know, armed and ready. And so with uh, you know, reading this or hearing about this campaign, you know, I think it's helping to evoke some of the sense of Lent – as a spiritual pilgrimage, you know, mm-hmm. as as someone, 
you know, we are and, and pilgrimages, you know, are not always, you know, they're not they're not always fun, you know, on in on the road there. You know, they could be messy. They could be they could be hard, you know, because you're traveling you and mm-hmm. you know, you could have mishaps with travel or you could, you know, especially if you're traveling by foot, you know, over days, which would have happened in, in earlier centuries, you know, you might get you know, a rough road, you might get bad weather, you know, there could be mm-hmm. all these different uh you know, setbacks, mm-hmm. you know, along the road, you know, and so, you know, that that sense of a pilgrimage, a Christian pilgrimage, is really meant to be a symbol of our of our journey through life, mm-hmm. you know, that we go through this life, there are going to be sufferings, there mm-hmm. is going to be pain, mm-hmm. there will be setbacks, but what is our focus? Our focus is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And he is the one that we are, that whom we are seeking, you know, and, and union with the Holy Trinity. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So a campaign, um, preparing for battle, arming ourselves, um, preparing ourselves. Um, so uh, I know we were also going to talk about, uh, along with pilgrimage, mm-hmm. the the concept of the stational churches. Yes, yes. So this is something that, uh, again, is an older practice that has been perhaps, you know, forgotten, you know, or had been, had been forgotten and and missed out and now is is really uh finding a sense of revival. So Father Stephen, do you know where the Holy Father goes for mass on Ash Wednesday? I do. He goes to our Dominican Church of Santa Sabina. So why he doesn't go to St. Peter's? I mean, it would seem, you know, shouldn't the pope be at his church of St. Peter's? I mean, it Right. Well, that's I know Santa Sabina is the first of the uh, stational churches he goes during Lent and I he know. goes to receive ashes on Ash Wednesday. From Dominicans. So I mean, it, it, <laughs> just saying. You know, he he the pope again, maybe he thinks we're too penitential or maybe he just likes us more, I don't know. But um no, in all seriousness, you know, the Church of Santa Sabina in Rome it's the, the the headquarters, the mother church of the Dominican order. It's it was entrusted to Saint Dominic, you know, uh, during his lifetime, and it's where our master of the order has lived, and and where the headquarters for the order is. But Santa Sabina is the first, what is known as the stational churches of Rome, because throughout the history, throughout the history, the development of Lenten practices many centuries ago, there was a practice that. On the days of Lent, all 40 days, there would be a different church that the Pope would go to to celebrate Mass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, over time, it just the practice had become going up to the Aventine Hill in Rome to Santa Sabina for the Pope to, to celebrate Mass, which he still continues. But that was day one. And then mm-hmm. the Thursday after Ash Wednesday, there was another church that he would go to. And then the mm-hmm. Friday after Ash Wednesday and so forth, all the way leading up to Holy Week and Easter, a different church. Because if you've been to Rome, there are hundreds of churches in the mm, city of Rome. I mean, right. you have your larger grand basilicas like St. Peter's, but then also smaller churches along the way. And this was the practice of the stational church. But there was, why is it called stational? Because there would be a, di- you know, the Pope would go to a different church each day, but there was actually a procession with the mm. Pope. Now, you know, think of this. You know, we think today, like, oh, my goodness, this would be a security matter, you know, the Pope making a, you know, a procession <laughs> through the streets of Rome. I mean, we're talking centuries ago when Christianity was rather small, when, you know, here's the Pope, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the faithful of Rome. It's like, well, oh, it's our local bishop, you know, who's, right. who is the successor of St. Peter, you know. So we could probably imagine that maybe like 
at a local diocese, you know, maybe the bishop, like, okay, we're going to do a little walking pilgrimage with him, you know, to a church or something. But, you know, when it's on a smaller scale, it's it's easier to right. kind of wrap our heads around. But that's how this all started mm-hmm. was, you know, when the church was still small, when there was – it was easier to access uh, the Holy Father – the faithful of Rome, they would go with him. They would start at a designated place, and then they would make their way through the streets of Rome, uh, and they would have the celebration of Mass there at these stations mm. and, a, and a specific church. So it's not like, okay, what church are you going to today? Over time, specific churches for specific days of the Lenten season, that was their day, mm. you could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is like really a, a pilgrimage that goes all the way through through Lent. Yes. And one thing that has become, you know, like I said, it was a, now, of course, the Holy Father still continues the practice of opening Ash Wednesday at mm-hmm. Santa Sabina, um, our, at, at the Dominican Church in Rome. Uh, now, he won't be going to every, you know, church, you know, on a different day. Three different churches. Yes. No, no, that's, but what, um, in recent years, some of the seminarians at the North American College, that's the, the American Seminary in Rome, where... Uh, you know, dioceses usually send maybe you know one or two of their seminarians to study at one of the pontifical universities in Rome, but they live in a house of formation of with all right. Americans, and so a lot of the seminarians from the North American College, maybe ten, fifteen years ago, started up this practice again, where you know they would go as a group to the, the designated stational churches mm. wow. uh, throughout Rome, um, so. You know that would be, uh, you know, that's where we're we're starting to find some revival, you know, mm-hmm. in this uh, in this practice. Right. You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Deacon Brother Paul Marich, and we've been discussing our Lenten pilgrimage, and especially um, the very uh, Ancient practice of stational churches in Rome, how the Pope begins Lent at Santa Sabina, which has been under the care of the Dominican order since the time of St. Dominic himself, over 800 years ago, and originally would go to a different church every day. I hadn't realized it was a different church every day. Now, obviously, he doesn't go to a different church every day, but, but how even lately some of the seminarians at the North American College have tried to take up that practice of going. Do they go to the, the same 40 churches that – Yes, know, the, the designate. They'll go to the de, – you know, what is the historical – you know, the historically designated church for the day. So – and uh, one person who's, you know, kind of took – you know, when hearing about uh, what the seminarians were doing and wanted to, you know, uh, kind of build upon that, write about that, but uh, George Weigel, Catholic oh, writer right. who, uh, you know, many are probably familiar with as the biographer for St. John Paul II – so he uh, has a book uh, called Roman Pilgrimage, The Station Churches, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, you could probably find it at a bookstore or online, but um, rather thick book. But what George Weigel does, you know, this, uh, he goes, he does a little historical profile on the oh. different stational churches on the specific days of Lent. Uh, so what's nice about the book is it actually, for each day of Lent, it has some uh, reflection readings you know, mm-hmm. and the readings for Mass that day. But then at the end of the ref- of the of those readings, that's where he has a little historical piece about that church for the mm. day. Wow. So, uh, so of course, you know, if you look at the 
the entry for Ash Wednesday. You know, uh-huh. he, he talks about Santa Sabina, you know, right there as we've gone to. But, uh, oh, I've just opened to Wednesday of the second week of Lent, and that would be the Church of St. Cecilia in Rome. So oh, that would right, be, right. you know, where he, uh, where they would go on that day. And then, you know, a little uh, um, description there of the Church of St. Cecilia. So, you know, if you want to know more about the stational churches, or even, in, you know, I, I've I've read through this book a couple times during Lent, and what's mm. nice is that you could, in a way, put yourself there in the stational church, you know, so if you can't yeah. actually get to Rome, can't actually get to these 40 different churches, you could at least, you know, read up where, where are we at today. And so, so this is a good resource, I think, for, you know, helping revive, you know, get into this, this practice. But again, it all goes back to that sense of Lent as a pilgrimage. Mm. It's not a, it's not meant to be this, this dreary time, but really this time where we are, you know, we're going forward. We're going on this march. We're going on this journey leading mm-hmm. us to Christ. Right. Right. And and that, you know, that can make us think about how we prepare for that Lenten pilgrimage ourselves. Mm-hmm. how we prepare for that campaign. And when you go into battle, you know, one thing you want to do is is kind of get in shape. Right. You know, right. you want to be in your best fitness, you know, yes. for this for this contest and and so there are things we can do, you know, some great you know, traditional practices we can do during Lent, you know, especially prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Mm-hmm. Those things that we do, not just during Lent, you right. know, but that we should do through all of our lives. But Lent is kind of a special way of of kind of, you know, getting back into shape, mm-hmm. you know, building back up that fitness if we've gotten a little flabby right. in terms of our prayer or right. our penance or yeah. our almsgiving. Yes. So, uh, and I know um, and one one way... You know, when we're talking about prayer, one mm-hmm. thing that our own Diocese of Columbus yes. has started is 40 Days of Adoration. Yes, and you, in a way we could see this as our own, the Diocese of Columbus's own version of the stational churches. Mm-hmm. So uh, in the diocese, you know, we have a practice of adoration on all the days of Lent and the different parishes uh, taking a day, you could say, mm-hmm. you know, where they would provide adoration all day, you know, or perhaps several hours of the day, but something that's meant to be, you know, extraordinary from what is maybe normal, mm-hmm. you know, at the parish. But that the the point being is, you could you could theoretically go to a different parish in the diocese of Columbus, you know, on a different day of Lent, and the then an adoration would be available, right, uh, for you right. there. That's what, yeah, because I remember uh, the first year we did that, Bishop Brennan, I think, actually mm-hmm. went to. If not everyone, just about every single church. Okay. Uh, and in fact, he showed up at St. Patrick's. Okay. <laughs> on go. our day, yes. you know. And I remember him speaking about that later. That that was a really powerful experience for him right. to be. And he would often not announce that he was coming. He mm-hmm. would just show up. Yes. You know. Uh, and there's the bishop praying in the pew. Right. You know. But but it was really it was a really neat way to. Uh, to to do that, I know at St. Patrick's as the pastor of, mm-hmm. of St. Patrick's in Columbus, you you know on that day you did see people coming in who right. obviously weren't parishioners. They yeah. were just making that pilgrimage of their own, right. you know, to find Christ. Right, and that and that in one sense, you know, shows that so it gives you the opportunity to go on, you know, a pilgrimage in your own diocese. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't live well, like for us at St. Patrick's, you come downtown, or you know, right. if you go from one side of town to the other, depending where adoration is that day, you know, it could be. You have that pilgrimage there, but you know it helps increase that sense of prayer. You know, you grow in prayer before our Eucharistic Lord. You know, the 
you know, because that's the focus of this this campaign, this journey. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Jesus and how appropriate it is. You come into the church, you know, you literally make that walk up the aisle, mm-hmm. and there he is on the right. altar in adoration. You know that you that you know what we use language to describe to help us better understand. This is a way where we can actually experience it. You know, mm-hmm. coming to church for adoration. And the uh, and it also then shows the unity of our diocesan church. You know that right. you know we're more than just our own local parish. You know that there right. are several local parishes here. You know, and then likewise, you know, goes beyond. You know that our diocese goes beyond just our diocese. It's a whole universal church. But what what do we have? What unites us? It's the Eucharist. Right. Jesus is there. Right. You know, He is in the tabernacle and with adoration. He's on the altar in the monstrance to be adored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and for those of you who are listening and interested in, in taking part in the 40 Days of Adoration, if you go to the um, Diocese of Columbus website, That's it's right. columbuscatholic.org, um, there's a link uh, to that. Right. If you scroll if down you, just a little bit, you know, there's a little purple box that says 40 Days of Adoration. Right, and you can see exactly where um, that day of adoration. I mean, there, there's some churches are, have adoration perpetually but this is right. this particular lenten practice means that you can find out is there a church near you that's going to mm-hmm. have it on a day where you can attend or if you want to try to make a pilgrimage to multiple churches you right. can you can find exactly where you can right. find the lord right some in tr- the Eucharist. And, and on some days i mean you know you only have 40 days of lent but there are more than 40 parishes in the diocese right. so there are some Days where you have multiple parishes that have adoration, so. right? And appropriately, it'll begin on on Ash Wednesday at St. Joseph Cathedral, so at the oh, the Mother Church of the Diocese. The, yes. you know, the, it it's fitting that the cathedral gets everything started, and then right. the other parishes will follow suit. Right, that'll be wonderful. Yeah, so that's that's one of the great the first way we can um, prepare for the campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, is 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 prayer and adoration is is one great way to jumpstart. Our prayer, because if we're not used to that practice of adoration, it kind of forces us to take a little time, mm-hmm. you know, in silence and just be with with Christ. Hopefully, without any external distractions. There's always right. sometimes internal distractions, but I know I know that on, on a pilgrimage, um, you do have that. You do have ten, if especially on a walking pilgrimage. Yes. You know, you do just have long periods of time when you're walking, but that just naturally gives you silence. It mm-hmm. gives you time in which. You have time to think, you know, time to pray, time to ponder, time even to meditate. So, so, so making that pilgrimage to a local church for adoration mm-hmm. can just open up that little window of preparation to sort of strengthen those, uh, those muscles of prayer, as mm-hmm. it were, in your own life. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, of course, penance. Yes. Many, you know, and, you know, our penitential practices, you know, those are meant to, you know, Again, it's not meant to be that dreary aspect of Lent, you know, or that mm. sense of, oh, I got to do this, or it's like, oh, only four days in, 36 more to go. You know, that's that's not the approach to take, you know, with Lent when you have this sense of a campaign, you know, where you're going out, you know, into battle and going out, you know, to, you know, to, spite, to fight spiritual evils, but then to, you know, prepare our hearts for the great celebration of Christ's resurrection. And with penance, you know, that, 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 those penitential practices, whether it's fasting, whether it's prayer, it's almsgiving, you know, there's, those are things that are meant to, you know, temper our passions, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, to to keep us focused, you know, on that on that route, on that journey, mm-hmm. you know, and not just weigh us down, but, you know, really, if anything, to lift us up and keep us going. 
So one very common penitential practice, a prayerful practice in you know, that we see it in our churches, mm-hmm. you know, even outside of Lent, and that would of course be the Stations of the Cross, which right. is something for the Lenten season very common. You know, usually parishes maybe on Fridays of Lent, mm-hmm. you know, will pray the Stations of the Cross publicly. But when you think about it for a minute, you know, historically, you know, pilgrims would go to the Holy Land. To actually go to the you know the the places of Christ's passion, right. the different stations. So again, that sense of station, you know, it's not like going to the gas station, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a sense of a, you know, or stational churches. What does that word station mean? It's a stop along the way. Right. So, um, what we you know see with the stations of the cross, they're stops along the way of Christ's mm-hmm. journey, and that's you know with the pilgrimages to the Holy Land, you would stop at these. Stations, uh, but as pilgrimage to the Holy Land became more difficult, what was the practice? Well, let's bring those stations to us. You know, right. put them in the church. You know where we can. Uh, you know where we have these fourteen crosses, and then uh, did you know that actually? It's it's not so much the image. You know what is what are the stations of the cross? There are fourteen crosses hmm. that are erected in churches for the way of the cross. But then what's become our custom now is. Uh, you know, we have an image from that station. But right. if you look in church, you know, there's always usually a mini cross or maybe a little larger cross that's mm-hmm. somehow attached, you know, to the to the artwork. But the, the praying of the station of the cross really has that sense of a journey. And you could even think, like, you know, you're in a church, you're literally walking around the church, right. you know, right. you're and, and, and making your way, you know, that points toward the front, toward the sanctuary, right. you know, where Christ is with us in the Eucharist. So, you know, that's... That goes back, you know. That would be a good, you know, practice if uh, if you can't get to adoration, you know, or um, depending what your parish has available, going to Stations of the Cross gives you a chance to, you know, really take part in that tradition of the Lenten campaign, you know, the the Lenten pilgrimage, but also doing an act of penance, you know, mm-hmm. by doing this this prayerful reflection on mm. the different moments of Christ's suffering. Right, and it kind of helps you prepare for, in a way, your own sufferings. Most of the prayers that go along with the stations purposely try to connect the sufferings of Christ to our own sufferings mm-hmm. with the sufferings of other people right. that we encounter right. in our own life's pilgrimage. So, so the stations can be an exercise in sort of strengthening us to bear our own sufferings or mm-hmm. strengthen us to help someone else bear their sufferings. Yeah. You know, and, and, to, and to connect those things to Christ, similar to the way that, like, Athletes that are like doing a lot of physical training as mm-hmm. they prepare for their season of whatever right. sport they're playing, you know, often they'll do lifting weights or they'll they'll do a lot of runs or sprints. You know, they do they don't do that just for the sake of lifting weights. They do mm-hmm. that for the sake of victory. Right. You know, they do that because they want to win. You right. know, so so in our own campaign, we we practice penance not just for the sake of making ourselves miserable. Mm-hmm. Because that penance prepares us for those mm-hmm. challenges that we'll face, and the Stations right. of the Cross is a very beautiful thing that that can help us. And I, I've even heard some people say that it can be a thing even to invite a non-Catholic to, sure, you know, non-Catholic sure. Christian, because coming to the Stations of the Cross, everything there is 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 pretty much right out of the Bible, right. and right. it's something that many many non-Catholics have have participated in and find very moving, right. you know, and, and helps them as well, right. So now the 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 uh, third practice of of Lent of preparing for the campaign is is almsgiving. Yes, 
sometimes often the you know I think it it could be neglected because you know we think of uh, okay well we have these extra prayers at church and then okay fasting we're not a uh, you know uh, mm-hmm. not eating meat on Fridays oh yeah then there's almsgiving but uh, you know sometimes too almsgiving is also called charity you mm-hmm. know just the right. you know what we would see of of helping others helping our fellow man you know and it again it. It could be easy just to like, okay, I'm going to make a donation, you know, this, mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm good. I gave something to the poor, but you know, perhaps you know, seeing almsgiving is somehow integrated into our other Lenten practices. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we're fasting, you know, from something today. You know, what am I doing with the money that I saved, perhaps, mm-hmm. from that fasting? Could that go toward, you know, a charity toward helping the poor? You know, right. or am I just writing a check and okay, that's it? What about praying for, mm-hmm. you know, who I'm helping? But the thing is, too, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, giving money. That's that, that's the typical understanding with alms giving. Giving alms is literally right. giving, uh, giving some type of monetary support to the poor. But you know, you could also exercise alms giving in that broader sense of charity, maybe toward doing some, you know, some good charitable act like helping at a soup kitchen. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing something, you know, for helping, you know, those who are poor and destitute, uh, maybe doing some type of clothing drive or something that, you know, that helps to alleviate the burdens of others because you know, it really gets down to that sense of Christ's suffering, mm-hmm. you know, and in Christ's poverty, you know, he associates with the poor. And we're all poor in some extent, you know, even mm-hmm. if we're materially wealthy, you know, we have that spiritual poverty, you know, that, that longing for Christ. Uh, right. But... You know that uh, it all, again, the focus is always on Christ. You know, helping, you right. know, seeing Christ in the poor, and alleviating him in his suffering. And you could think, you know, going back to the stations, you have someone like a, you know, a Veronica, you know, mm-hmm. who, who wipes the face of Christ. Right. You know, she sees him in his need. She wipes, you know, the blood drenched face of Christ. That's what we're doing with almsgiving. Is mm-hmm. we're looking for Christ in the least of his brothers and sisters, and helping to alleviate. That right. pain and that suffering, right? To help them realize that they're on the pilgrimage too, and yes. we can help them. Yes. Whether it's like Simon carrying the cross or Veronica, right. right? You know, wiping the face of Christ. I think another good practice can be to visit people mm-hmm. that are lonely, yes, you know, or sick, or bound, yes, to their home, or even just calling them, or mm-hmm. or writing a, a a nice letter to them, yes. you know, because because in a way that is there are all kinds of people that are. You know, as, as as Mother Teresa used to say, you know, even in a very relatively prosperous country like our own, you know, who are always looking towards the door. Yes. It's a whole other kind of poverty, right. that loneliness. Right. How can we accompany them? Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I've been joined in the studio by Deacon Brother Paul Merich. Let's end with prayer, invoking the intercession of our holy founder, St. Dominic. O light of the church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.